Hi, I'm Zach. I've been working in beer for well over a decade, so it's not uncommon for me to find myself enjoying a pint and great conversation with some of the most interesting folks in the brewing industry. Since many of the world's most entertaining discussions happen over a beer, I thought it might be fun to share a few of mine with you. This is Zach Talks Beer. Welcome to Zach Talks Beer. This is an informal podcast in which I welcome friends and peers from the brewing industry on for an unfiltered, honest, and oftentimes fun conversation about working in beer, life outside of beer, and everything in between. My name is Zach Nichols, and I'm a brewer and a small brewery owner originally from Wisconsin, but now I am based outside of beautiful Boulder, Colorado. I've been in the beer world professionally since about 2009. And I have met and spent valuable time with a lot of great people in that stretch. And my guest today is certainly one of them. Uh, So today I'm happy to welcome on to the show, Clint Lohman of Working Draft in Madison, Wisconsin. Clint, thanks for jumping out with me, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How's the weather in uh, Madison, Wisconsin at the moment? It's cold. You know, we're like cycling back and forth between like bitterly cold and, you know, we have like 30 degree days where it feels balmy. So that's kind of the, it's like either zero to 15 degrees or low thirties. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, growing up in Madison, I'm somewhat familiar with your February weather and it, uh, you get those handful of days in February that are just barely warm enough where you're like, all right, maybe we're turning the tide here. And then it just goes back to just plummeting frigid cold for God knows how many weeks on end. So exactly. Um, it feels like you get like a little bit of like false hope. You're like, oh man, is spring coming? Is it like around the corner? Right. And then you look at the forecast and it's like, oh no, it's gonna be like negative temperatures in the next right. two weeks. So no nope. oh, man. Well, you know, there there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, there always is far off. You just yeah. gotta keep reminding yourself. Uh sweet. So yeah, hey, uh, let's kick things off real quick and just talk a little bit about how we know each other. Um, if I remember correctly, I think we know each other more or less through Jesse. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. So Jesse's a buddy of mine. He used to be involved at a brewery out here in Denver, um, and relocated to Wisconsin a handful of years ago, maybe, maybe three years ago, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. Something um, like that. Yeah. But he, uh, he got involved with you guys at working draft pretty early on in your inception, I think. And uh, yeah, I think it was like within the first year yeah. he was worked for us. Right. And just uh, being a, a Madison native myself, he, he kind of looped me in with you guys and got to check out the brewery when I was out visiting family and whatnot. And uh, yeah, we just kind of took it and ran with it from there. Yeah. And I actually met you, Zach. I don't know. I think I've told you this before. I met you before then when I was out in, in, uh, out in the Denver area for GABF when I was working at Vintage Brewing Company. And you were still oh. at Sanita's. Sure. Sanita, however you want to pronounce it. And then uh, I stopped out there with Scott because I think you know Scott. Yep. And he, that's why we stopped there because I think you had a connection with him, but I was just like assistant brewer, probably blended into the background. That's right, man. And you know, I, I remember that now. Yeah. You came in with a small group of people, right? Maybe five or yep. six of you guys. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. So that was in my, my Sanitas brewing days in, in uh, Boulder. 
Yeah, man. Yep. That, so that would have been like what, 2013 or 14, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think 2013 sounds about right. Yep. Right on. That's awesome. And so, yeah, that was back when you were with Vintage Brewing in, in Madison. Um, let's let's jump back a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about sort of your intro into to working in craft beer and and how you got uh, how you got into it on a professional level. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got into it. Uh, the, the story I always kind of tell is like, I was always a pretty adventurous beer drinker, even from a, a, a pretty young age, like mid teens, well before I was legally allowed to drink beer. I, I, I didn't love beer when I first had it. And I kind of, you know, like all good Wisconsinites grew up drinking like shitty, uh, horrible, cheap light lager. And uh, it, it like wasn't what I imagined beer being when I you, you have it like glorified in in television shows and stuff and people make it seem like it's going to be great and then you try it and you're like oh this is fucking terrible <laughs> um, and then so I, I wanted to try other stuff and I think the, the beer that really like opened my eyes was Spotted Cow and like and then Sam Adams Boston Lager and I was like oh shit like there's way more to beer and that kind of sprung me off and like well there's way more to beer than just bush light or miller light or whatever and so i remember seeing these sam adams uh long shop homebrew competition commercials and thinking man brewing beer would be really cool and i'd i'd graduated from high school i didn't go into college i wasn't doing any of that stuff i was just working in manufacturing hated my life didn't like what i was doing i was working like printing and shit and i just didn't dig it but when i was driving to work i'd always drive past ale asylum in madison and I just remember seeing that place and being like, man, this is like, that would be cool. It's like still manufacturing, but it'd be doing something I care more about. Reach out to a couple of folks. I think I reached out to um, whatever like general info at email was at Ale Asylum. And then also the same thing for Capital Brewing. Cause I was just trying to reach out to breweries in the area and got responses for both of them. And they're basically just like, you know, get a brewing education. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I don't really want to go to school. Um, so I was kind of doing my thing and then House of Brews on the east side of Madison was just opening up and I reached out to them via Facebook and was like, hey, you know, I'll like work for free. I'll do whatever. Just I want to get my foot in the door. And then Paige, the owner of House of Brews, reached out and was like, yeah, man, you can come on down and I need help getting things going. And so I went and helped him and I basically was just like, you know, taping off walls that need to be painted, like not even really doing brewing stuff initially. For the first couple of months and it was like every time i had free time i would go down there and help him out and he cycled through like a bunch of volunteers like that i was the only one that really stuck around and did all the shitty work that he needed to needed to have done mm-hmm. um but then he finally did start brewing and so i i learned like a good amount helping him out and then it came to a point where he was like well i you know probably can't afford to like pay anybody but i know you're looking for a paid gig and my buddy Scott at Vintage is looking for somebody for the first time. And Vintage had opened up, I think, like a two and a half years prior to that uh, in an old spot in Madison that used to be an old brew pub called JT Whitney's. And um, so I interviewed for that job, got like a lot of recommendations from Paige. So he really helped me get that job. And then I worked at Vintage for, I got that job, worked there for like two, a little under two years. And in the kind of towards the end of that, Wisconsin Brewing Company, which is in Verona, was opening and they were opening like a big production facility, totally different style. It wasn't a brew pub. It was big 80 barrel production system. Um, And they did 
a thing where they were like collaborating with small local breweries to do pilot batches and do releases of beers before their brewery opened to try to like kind of like market test some of their brands and two of the beers that they brewed they did at vintage while i was working there and so i treated those those uh brew days as interviews i was like i want to like the brew pub lifestyle is cool but it's like super fast paced i want to see what it's like to work in a production brewery and so when kirby and mike who are the you know some of the original proprietors of, of wisconsin brewing company came in for those brew days i was like I'm, I'm gonna get real flashy and work my ass off and do whatever I have to do to to get those guys to want to work with me. Um, and so we did two brews with them, and then I reached out to Kirby and I was like, "Hey, man, do you, you guys have any uh, openings coming up?" And he's like, "Not really, but maybe in a couple of months." And then it was a couple, like literally, with like a month or two later, he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually going on vacation. I need help. Um, could you come work for us?" And, part-time and so I did the vintage I did vintage and Wisconsin Brewing Company for like a couple of weeks um, part-time at both and then eventually transitioned over to Wisconsin Brewing Company full-time worked there for like three and a half years learned a ton Kirby Kirby Nelson's our brewmaster over there like industry veteran a lot of people know that dude Wisconsin Brewing legend so it's really cool to work with him and then in the midst of that, I was also working at Wine and Hop Shop, which is a homebrew shop that's been around since the 1970s here in Madison. So they actually opened before homebrewing was legal. Um, and met a bunch of dudes there. They were looking to open up a brewery. And so the opportunity came up to kind of get in on the ground floor on a new thing. And uh, those guys were kind enough to bring me in as an owner as well and give me some equity. And that was working draft. And so that's that's where I'm at now. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I remember uh, Wine and Hop Shop. That's where I got my my ingredients for my first handful of homebrews back when I was a young uh, young brewer as well. So yeah, dude, uh, it's been around for forever. I think they also were. Uh, I think uh, the dude from um, I forget his name, the guy from Six Point in Brooklyn, Shane. Worked, yeah, I think he worked there as well. Yeah, they've yeah, like had sure. surprisingly far-reaching uh, influence on the brewing industry. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, I want to circle back on some of your, I've got, I've got some kind of questions for you um, about your, you you know, your, your origin of uh, your, your brewing um, career. But uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, um, I think we should open a beer here. Um, So I like to ask the guests of the show to bring with them a beer that is special to them. So it can be something that uh, they made. It can be something local that they're really into or it can just simply be something that uh, they enjoy and they just think deserves a little bit of love. Uh, so I asked Clint to bring something cool with him tonight to crack open, uh, and we are doing this over Zoom. So I uh, usually, if we're in person, we'll we'll share the beer, but um, I've got my own this uh, this evening, and he's got his own. So Clint, what do you got? Uh, what are you opening tonight? Yeah, so I wanted to bring something from somebody else just because I don't want to like, you know, be too into my own shit. <laughs> Hey, that's um, all right. Either way, I, I don't get out anywhere ever, so it's like it's hard for me to go get other people's beer. But I what I brought was our uh, French pil- French style Pilsner, and I'm really happy with how this beer turned out. Super jazz on it. So it, the brand is called Les Pils. Super creative. Mm, wow. um, how, long it, how long did it take you to come up with that one? I know, right? <laughs> Not very long. <laughs> um, but basically, the the whole inspiration for this beer was. It all, it all sprung from, uh, I think, one of our anniversary parties. We're, we're, we love Bruin Lager beer, and 
I, I love Pilsner. And so we were thinking like, how can we do like a bunch of different takes on Pilsner? And we, you know, we have like a flight boards that, that hold four beers. So like, how do we do a full flight of Pilsner? So we do four different Pilsners. And we had already brewed a German one, Czech one, I'm thinking of the Italian one. And so we're trying to think of a different style of pills. And it just so happened that around that time, Malt Europe uh, started offering uh, French Pilsner malt that was grown in the Champagne region of France. And I was already pretty familiar with Strissel Spalt hops, which are also grown in France. And so I was like, let's just pair those two together and make a pills out of them. And we've made it a couple of times, but this one, for whatever reason, I don't know if we got a good lot of hops or I've just got better at making lager beer. I don't know. But this batch is just like popping off, man. It's like the, the Strissel Spalt has this cool, um, almost like black currant and like white pepper. It's like fruity and spicy at the same time. And it's, it's just really expressing in a way that it hasn't in previous batches of beer. And I'm super happy with how this one turned out. So I'm really, really jazzed about it. Sounds delicious. I'll have to, uh, I'll be in Wisconsin later this week. So I actually, uh, I'll have to try to track that down and get myself a four pack. We got some, we still got some at the brewery. So you should definitely get some. All right. I'll try to swing through. Um, yeah, Stristle Spot, Sanitas Brewing that I was at in Boulder, we use that in our Saison as well. It's a neat hop. I think it's, it's underused in, uh, in lagers and, and Saisons and, um, other European style beers, but it's a, it's a really nice hop. Yeah. Agreed. What do you get? Uh, so going back to that malt that you were talking about, that's grown in the Champagne region, are you getting anything unique on that or? Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's like pretty crackery. Um, it doesn't have the, in my mind, doesn't have like the grainy kind of huskiness that some of the kind of European Pilsner malts have, but it's definitely got like a nice round, soft, um, yeah, bready crackery character to it. It's, it's more expressive than like a domestic Pilsner malt, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of a good in-between where it's got more character than, than like an expressive or a domestic Pilsner malt, but not quite as intense as some of the, um, you know, like four malted European stuff. Sure. Can be a little bit overwhelming. Nice. Cool. I'll have to look into it. Uh, you said, who's, who'd you say you're getting that through? Malt Europe. Malt Europe. All right. Awesome. Are they a Wisconsin company? Um, they have a malt plant in Wisconsin, but I think they're like an international company. I think they're pretty big. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know they're pretty large. Yeah. I thought, I thought they had a Wisconsin presence, but who knows? Um, yeah. So I've got, uh, with me a beer that I haven't had in an, a little while here, but I've got good old uh, Odell IPA. Um, yeah, haven't Classic. haven't gotten this one in a while, but this is just a, a great go-to IPA in, in the state of Colorado. Um, pretty accessible, and uh, in my book, it is uh, one of the more enjoyable, uh, accessible IPAs that you can kind of find everywhere. And uh, Odell, you know, puts out great quality beer. Uh, it's pretty few and far between that I'm not happy with something from Odell in in the many years of regularly purchasing their beer. So, um, yeah, Nodell, uh, is, you know, early on formative beer for me, this IPA, um, I remember coming out to Colorado when I was actually living in Madison, my now wife, um, was at school at the university of Colorado in Boulder. And so I'd come out every once in a while and visit her and, um, Odell IPA was just one of the, the hoppy beers that I kind of fell in love with early on. I think it's fairly heavy on the, the Amarillo and, maybe some Simcoe in there and whatnot. So, uh, you know, had those big juicy orange characteristics that, um, you know, seemed so unique at the time in, uh, man, what would that have been? 2008, 2009, something like that. 
Um, but yeah, still today, just, just a wonderful, uh, you know, everyday American IPA. So. Yeah, man, those are, those are important. Well, first of all, finding a brewery like that, that's like you can rely on, right. To make reliable, consistent, awesome beer, like having that in your back pocket when you go to the grocery store or liquor store is awesome. Yeah. But also you know, having that kind of experience of like the, the beer that, um, like at one point blew your mind, which I was just, mm-hmm. you, you saying that made me think of like my first, my first, uh, kind of hoppy beer that changed my perception of hoppy beer was, um, gumball head. And I was sure, like, this sure. tastes like grapefruit juice. Same. Right? Dude, I, I had the exact same experience with gumball head. That's, that's a really early one for me too, that I just fell in love with, but yeah. doesn't it suck that you don't feel that way anymore that like you've been so like beaten down with hops that you're like, you it's, can't it's, go back and have that experience really it's anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I question myself like, man, have they, is it, what's changed? Is it me? It, like, is it my, is it my palate and, and my experience at this point or have they changed the beer? Um, you know, obviously if there are flaws, whether it's just like an old can you get or whatever, that's one thing, but um, yeah, it is, it is kind of a bummer when you, uh, you know, I, I get it a lot when I travel, right. You know, I'll go back to a city that I haven't been to in 10 or 15 years. And I'm like, oh man, I remember that, you know, brown ale they made or that, that, uh, Pilsner or IPA and finally track it down when I'm back out there on vacation. I'm like, huh. All right. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, doesn't nice. really live up to, to the memories, but, um, you know, that's kind of part of the fun, you know, thing with, with being a beer enthusiast is just those nostalgic experiences and I, I think it goes to show that as much as what's in the the canner bottle or or keg really is is super important it, it does go beyond that right it's these these experiences that we have uh where we're drinking the beer um you know what we're doing who we're with um things like that 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 truly do matter they factor into how you remember these beers so that's a huge impact i mean i always say like i our i think our beer tastes best when i'm like out at an establishment place that isn't a brewery mm-hmm. and it tastes it's like i have one two and three so it's best when i'm out in establishment second best when i'm at the brewery and it's the worst when i'm at home and i don't know if it's like i'm comfortable i'm in my element and i'm for whatever reason that makes me able to like nitpick things sure. the beer think, more when i'm at home i think that's one of the challenges of being a brewer because i experienced the exact same thing is um if i don't have other uh, sort of sensory things pulling me away from, from just completely digging into the beer and nitpicking the hell out of it. Um, I, I always enjoy my beer more. Um, like you said, when you're out in a, at a, an account that has it on draft and, you know, you're chatting with the bartender or the buyer and all of a sudden you see someone, you know, in town and all, you know, that, that pint of your beer goes down you're like, man, that was good because you, you just didn't have the time or, or energy or, you know, focus to, to pick it apart. But yeah. 100% Zach Talks Beer is supported by Cellar West Artisan Ales. Cellar West is an award-winning small brewery in Lafayette, Colorado, just outside of Boulder and a short drive to nearby Denver. Named one of Beer Advocate's best new breweries in 2018, Cellar West crafts a variety of small batch beers, ranging from barrel-aged farmhouse sales to rustic European lagers. Planning a trip to Colorado? Be sure to add Cellar West Artisan Ales to your list of brewery visits. And now back to the show. Let's jump back. I want to talk a little bit about your kind of early year, early years, early days um, in brewing in the Madison area. So 
I thought it was pretty cool that you said you started at House of Brews, worked your way over to Vintage Brewing, and then uh, finished up at Wisconsin Brewing before you you helped open Working Draft. So House of Brews, for those who aren't familiar, they're not around anymore, but they were a really small, like product. They, they certainly weren't a brew pub. Uh, very small production style brewery, right? Like draft only, kegs only, five barrel brew house kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think it was a ten barrel system. Okay. And I think that his business model was always to do draft only, mm-hmm. uh, like everything's wholesale. Sure. So when he when he first opened, he had had a little bit of a space for a tap room, but it wasn't yeah, built out. Did he there. did he ever get a tap? I don't. I never went to a tap room. Yeah, he did. He did. He, did. he built. He opened a little tap room, but it was it was kind of an afterthought, and it was pretty small. Right. Um, just had like a little homebrew style kegerator set up in there. Sure. Uh, so he did have that, but the the kind of heart of the business model was to sell draft beer through wholesale. So then you move from from House of Brews to Vintage Brewing, which they have a handful of locations in the Madison area now, and they're yep. they're very much so uh, like a brew more of a brew pub model, right? I mean, they like you mentioned, they took over the old JT Whitney's, which which was just like a classic, like tried and true '90s style American brew pub in Madison. Um, yeah, they're they're like I guess you could consider them like a brew pub group at this point. I mean, right. So they they started as a bar in downtown Madison, like right in the heart of downtown, like off State Street. Um, I, don't, I don't know the whole story. I don't know if like they were kind of getting into having more craft beer selection, but uh, Trent and Brittany Kramer started the downtown bar, and then Trent's is Scott's cousin. Scott's a brewmaster vintage brewing and scott had been working scott worked at i think i don't remember exactly where he worked like breckenridge or something like that in the 90s i think scott was at breckenridge yeah and then he worked at bj's for a long time and had been like pretty i think higher up at bj's brew pub chain mm-hmm. and so he was like in the family they they had owned the bar and then they when jt whitney's went up for sale i think they saw an opportunity and knew that they had a brewer in the family. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, we can get Scott on board. This makes sense. And they got in there and got Scott brewing in there. Right. Got kind of and he's like, you know, with his experience, he's sort of the quintessential brew pub style brewer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at BJ's, he's got that like 90s brew pub style experience. And uh, I think that he was living in like Reno or something at the time. And right. they convinced him to move to Madison. And, uh through through at the old jt whitney's and so then from from then they open a couple more locations right they've got one in what sock city yep which i think is where trent and maybe Brittany. i don't know trent's from that area so i think they have roots there and that's why they opened a location there nice okay so then you jump over to wisconsin brewing which for those who don't know there's a brewery in Madison still operating. They're actually in Middleton, right outside of Madison, Wisconsin, but uh, Capital Brewing, they've been around for a long time. Um, pretty well-respected brewery, especially years back, um, you know, put sort of small batch craft lager on the map for the state of Wisconsin, won a lot of, you know, medals and awards in the 90s and early 2000s. And so they had sort of a shakeup, man, what, what was that, 10, 15 years ago and, and had a little bit of an exodus uh, and- a lot of folks left and they actually uh, started up the, a few of the folks who left start up their own brewery um, not too far away in Verona, which is another uh, suburb of Madison called Wisconsin Brewing. And one of the folks who was part of that crew 
Kirby Nelson uh, was was a very uh, well-respected Midwest brewer early on and, and sort of championed a lot of the, the Midwest craft beer movement. Um, and he was one of the main figures at Wisconsin Brewing when it opened. Um, and so they very much are like a large production brewery, um, put a lot of cash into the, to a big building, brand new building, if I recall, you know, all new stainless, big brew house, that kind of thing. So you've got experience with that sort of brewery as well to kind of round it out, bring a full circle. Um, what, you know, that's, that's pretty rare that I chat with a brewer who's got that much breadth of experience with different styles of, of breweries. Yeah. I mean, it's been a adventure. <laughs> I mean, even like with just within vintage itself, we brewed a lot of different stuff. Um, but it was, it would, you know, it was, I feel very fortunate in that I got, I kind of got this like crash course over the course of, you know, whatever it is, like six years um, between House of Brews with being like a, a really super fresh startup. I was there for the first brew day. And then going into vintage, that was like two years in, two and a half years in, they're a little more established, kind of had systems in place, but we're still new and kind of getting things rolling. And then got to get into Wisconsin Brewing Company, which is very new, but was also like working with a brewmaster that had been doing this for, I don't know, 40 years. I mean, Kirby, Kirby started his career in the 1970s at the old Heilman's Brewery in La Crosse, which is now City Brewing. And he's brewed in the Philippines and I mean, he's, dude's been all over the place. Um, so I, I got the, the kind of benefit of working with like a startup, working with a, a brewery or a brewer who was at a startup, but also had experience. And then working with in like this big production brewery that was a startup, but had this super, super deep well of knowledge that is Kirby. And then also my former boss, Mike, who didn't work in brewing, but did like, pretty much everything else under the sun right so it was it was really cool and I, i'm i kind of fell into it you know <laughs> so yeah i feel super lucky like right place right time i just met the right people and it worked out yeah i mean one thing i just think about with that is there's the challenges uh that you know fall upon a, a small brew pub versus a, a large production brewery the day-to-day challenges, the larger annual challenges are, are quite different. And I'm sure they didn't seem this way at the time, but like what a blessing in disguise to be able to, to sort of experience all those different types of things and, and have to, you know, figure things out and work through different headaches and challenges to bring that then, you know, to working draft with you when you jumped on board with that too. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a hundred percent. Like the way that I run things at working draft is a hybrid of what I've experienced because vintage was like crazy fast paced. Every, it was like we emptied the tank, we filled the tank. Everything was nuts all the time. And then Wisconsin Brewing Company was very like methodical. You know, it's very much like a, a whole new world. Because you work in a brew pub and it's like you're trying to fill serving tanks. You're trying to fill kegs. You're trying to keep the bar stocked. Right. A little more and ragtag flying like, by the seat of your pants kind of. Totally. And you might have some like wholesale accounts and, and you're just like everything is, like you said, fly by the seat of your pants. And then you get in the production brewery world and it's like you have distributors who forecast and then you take that forecast and you build your schedule and everything is like planned months in advance. And that was, that was like so foreign to me when I got into that, but it, we've, we've tried to kind of do 
like I said, a hybrid of that at working draft where it's, it is a lot more fast paced in a production environment, but we're also trying to have some level of planning where it isn't like chaos all right. the time. Right. Have some structure and regiment, but also remain nimble enough to do the, the fun things and, and exactly. stay grassroots a little bit. Yep. So let's talk, let's talk about working draft. Um, so you guys are in the Willie street neighborhood of, of Madison, the Williamson street, kind of a, an interesting spot to be located. Lots of cool hip restaurants. Um, but it's not as much as it, it's near downtown. It's not what a lot of folks would think of as Madison's like heart of downtown. That would be more of the state street area and your campus and the Capitol. You guys are a little offset. You're like a, a couple miles away from that area. How, how did you, How'd you land in that neighborhood? How did working draft end up in Willie street? So the, the way that it came to be was uh, Ryan Brown, who's one of our original founders, he's no longer with the company, but he, he and Jay, who is still with the company, um, were trying to start a brewery. They had gone through a bunch of different iterations. So one of them was like opening a brewery in Ryan's garage, which is, they found is not actually legal. Um, so they, they had kind of had like these plans in the back burner. And then we all, with the exception of Jay, worked with Ben, who owns Wine and Hop Shop. And so Ben had some connections with uh, a restaurateur who had access to this building that we're currently in. And so the, he, he only needed half of the building he was like, would you, Ben, would you want to open a brewery in the other half? Cause he knew Ben opened or Ben owned a homebrew shop and Ben kind of passed that along to Ryan. Cause he knew Ryan was trying to open up a brewery and that kind of lit the fire under everybody's ass to be like, Oh, okay. Let's, let's change this entire model to be something that's like, instead of being something that's super small that we're going to open in a garage, we have an actual like viable commercial space. That's kind of in the heart of a neighborhood that could do really well. So we're just going to like go for it. Right. So less of that model of the under wraps kind of secret brewery that your friend has in the <laughs> fridge that you've never heard of. And um, to, to more of a, a neighborhood brewery that is truly trying to be, be part of the fabric of, right. of their nearby community. And, and I think you guys have done that. You know, I, I really think of if you're in that Willie street neighborhood, which if anyone listening is visiting Madison soon, it's definitely worth checking out great coffee shops and restaurants. And, and now there's a brewery there, um, working draft. And so, and you guys, what you do at working draft is, is a little bit of everything. Um, I really think of you as a logger guy. I think a little bit of that comes down to your, your history at, at Wisconsin brewing, which they, they make a lot of, um, lager beer, but you know, you guys do a little bit of everything. You've got plenty of IPAs on the board. Uh, you mess around with some other kind of fun styles. What, tell me about what you view working draft beer company as like, what, what are you guys? Yeah. The thing that I always say is like, we make American style hoppy beers and we make uh, European style lagers. So I I'm, I'm like very much enamored with the romanticism of, you know, the, the kind of the history and the breadth of European lager brewing. And I also appreciate the American side of it, but I feel like that's a blip on the radar of lager brewing in general. And so I'm more focused on brewing like German, Czech, like the places that are like the, the lager uh, centric spots in Europe. That's, that's my jam. That's the stuff that I get really excited about. But at the same time, I also really love American style hoppy beer. So what, what we kind of saw as a, a missing 
uh, space in the Madison market, or even like, I guess you could say in the Wisconsin market was making hoppy beers that were very aroma and flavor focused. And this, this started to kind of change like as we were opening, but there was a, a long trend of, and I'm sure you can kind of attest to this, Zach, there was a long trend of in the Midwest where people would make what they would call West Coast IPA, but they were like very highly bitter amber malty beers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. nobody was making pale, dry, lean, aroma and flavor hop focused beers. Mm-hmm. Or at least very few people were making those. And we we really saw that as a gap in the market. And we kind of went after that. Uh, and then at the same time that that was happening, like that was kind of our original intent. But then Hazy IPA was coming becoming very undeniable <laughs> at that point. So when we were first making recipes, you know, I was like, I had a bunch of clear IPA, like West Coast IPA recipes. And I had like one Hazy IPA recipe that was kind of like, all right, well, I guess we'll do it because... It's clearly like people dig that, but then that's shifted where it's it's like, I, we make hazy IPAs. We have like a four or five, like regular hazy IPAs that we make. And I'm working to try to sneak clear IPA into the schedule. Hazy IPAs just kind of taken over. Yeah. You know, I, I've always thought of you guys as being a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, the Wisconsin scene. And, and uh, I would say it's, it's really, for me, it's, in a charming way, Wisconsin does seem to uh, sort of lag behind in term in terms of the trends in beer. Um, I think that breweries like yourselves are, are pushing that forward. And there's a handful of others that have opened in the last few years that, you know, are, seem to be a little more in touch with what the modern interest is on, you know, the West Coast and the East Coast and in the Rockies and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, for years, I would continue to, even when I moved out to Colorado, I'd go back and visit these new breweries in Wisconsin. And mm-hmm. I was just waiting for someone to do you know, more of that sort of West Coast IPA that was really starting to, to blossom around like 2010, 11, 12, where, like you said, more aroma driven, flavor driven, a um, little leaner on the malt profile. And I would go to these new breweries and it was the same thing, right? It's And, and there's almost like a nostalgic um, appeal that these styles of IPA and paleo have for me, but these like multi, you know, crystal caramel malt heavy, super bitter, uh, oftentimes like maybe even like slightly under attenuated, uh, maybe like a kiss of like a citrus pine hop note, but just almost like a lightly hoppy amber ale. And they, and no one seemed to be pushing beyond that, um, until you guys came around. Um, and it sounds like, uh, you know, you've, you've even taken that step further into, to more truly modern hazy IPAs. It sounds like the, the market in Madison is excited about that. Would you say like hazy is, is a big thing there now? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a big thing here in the way that it is everywhere else in the country. And I, and I would say for what it's worth, I would say that we definitely weren't the first ones in Madison to do that. Ill Asylum was probably my mind. Right. The first brewery to really focus on like aroma and flavor and not bitterness. That's fair. But they, yeah. I, I think that a lot of their beers also had a pretty substantial malt backbone to them. Um, so it was like, a take on the Midwest IPA that was not just all about like bitterness and malt, but uh, still pretty malt focused where I think the differentiating factor for us was that, you know, like a lot of our IPA recipes are just two row. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't mess around with a bunch of crystal malts. We don't get fancy with it. It's all about the hops. Like that's where we get complicated 
complicated or maybe like use a couple varieties of hops, but otherwise the malt bill is pretty straightforward and pretty, pretty lean, pretty normal. Uh, nothing crazy about it. And it just, I think that's what I was really missing that I had tasted in other areas and really appreciated and wanted to bring to Madison. Yeah. And I think you've done that. So uh, I got to ask, what are some hop varieties you're excited about right now? Oh man. Uh, well, so we've got, we're lucky that we have uh, some contracts through our friends at Hop Revolution out of New Zealand. And they're, they're like pretty new company um, and hop farm in New Zealand that I actually met the, the founder, Susan, when I was at Wisconsin Brewing Company. And she had, a, she was like kicking around this idea of opening up a hop farm. The, the story I got was that she couldn't really get anybody to talk to her about it and had been somehow got in contact with James Altweiss who owned a hop farm here in Wisconsin named Gorse Valley Hops. And he was like, yeah, come over. I'll, I'll teach you whatever you need to know, or I'll talk to you about this. And so he brought her by Wisconsin Brewing Company and she was kind of throwing this idea around to, uh, to Kirby and I, and, you know, mainly Kirby because he's a proprietor of the business. Um, uh, the idea of like growing these New Zealand hops and growing Nelson Sauvin and all these varieties that are really sought after. And it was really interesting because she, she kind of pitched as like, well, you know, these hop growers in New Zealand are, are um, sort of telling us that, or the, the story that they spin is that nobody wants their hops and they keep getting like government subsidies and they keep like keeping their crops small and all these things. And, hmm. um, it's just not true. It's like a sort of a weird con that they have going on. And it was hard for her to kind of break into that world because they didn't want her to be able to grow these varieties. And there are all these proprietary varieties and she's like, she's just a badass. And she powered through and found like big money backers. And now she owns the, the largest single hop farm in New Zealand. Wow. They're, they're the out. largest hop farm in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. That's hop. They're what hop revolution. Hop revolution. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten some stuff from them. I think you, you got me in touch with their, I think I got some Nelson from them and it was really yeah. nice. They're, really they're nice. great. They do a good job. So, I mean, I love their hops. Um, otherwise I'm Strata's awesome. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like play a lot of the let's use whatever's new all the time game. Yeah. Like I, I like to find things that work really well for me and then dive into how I can use them best and just go off that. And I certainly like to sprinkle new things in. Um, with that being said, I do think that Sultana, which used to be called Denali is a little bit of an underrated hop. I agree. And we use a good amount of that. That's in one of our flagship beers. Um, it's got a really cool, like resinous pineapple pine character. That's kind of all encompassing and plays well with other hops. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite go-tos and then the other one i would say that i uh, that we use like a decent amount of that's hard to use is enigma it's an australian variety and that one's tricky because it's like so it's so oil heavy and resinous that if you use too much of it it quickly becomes overwhelming and it'll overpower everything and it almost adds like body to the mouthfeel of the beer because it's so oil heavy mm-hmm 
but we use it at like a quarter of a pound per barrel in the dry hop of our flagship beer and it's awesome it just amplifies everything because it's, it's like so salt. it's like salt right it just pops everything else yeah else up exactly it. that's a great way to to describe it. it's like salt it just it like amplifies everything else that you put it with but if you do a single hop beer with it it's like i don't know this is weird <laughs> it's right almost not good but it kind of is good but it, it's kind of not good <laughs> Uh, I'm going to ask you the question I've been wanting to ask the entire podcast. So what, what do you have lagering right now? What, uh, what loggers are you working on? Oh, we have check or uh, we have template check logger. We have check pills going. We just filtered Doppelbach today, mm. which I'm super jazzed about. I wish I could have let it logger for like a, another month, but the schedule was built out and we had to get it out of the tank. Um, but we are going to let that beer sit for a month in the can. We're kind of ripping off the new Glarus model. Uh, they just released a double block that they let sit for six months in the bottle, which we're not going to do that, but <laughs> a month, a month is better than nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, oh, and my we got my in the tanks as well. Nice. Yeah. It's getting to that time of the year, right? Yep. Nice. That's awesome. What, um, so you, you guys, I mean, Wisconsin traditionally is a, is a pretty German, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of German heritage in Wisconsin. You play with a lot of Czech style lager. Is that something that you're just excited about or? Yeah. I mean, so God, I don't even know how this started, but at, at some point in my beer journey, I tried Pilsner Cow and fell in love with it. And it's since kind of remained as one of my favorite beers. And so that's largely what's driven my, my journey into Czech style lager. I also just really love the, the contrast between German style lager and Czech style lager. I think that it's really cool that you have like one style that's very, very clean. I would describe German as being very clean, very lean, very dry, but also very complex in flavor. And then you have Czech style lager, which is like almost a little bit under attenuated, way more hoppy, uh, a little, it's like they're, they're balanced, but in different ways. And I just, I don't know. I think that that whole mantra between the two and how they compare and contrast is really interesting and cool to me. And I, I, I love the idea of having a brewery or us trying to be a brewery that provides both. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, there's quite a bit of difference between the two when they're, when they're done, you know, true to style and done well, there, there is a lot of difference between, you know, using Pilsner as a, as an example, Czech Pilsner and, and German Pilsner, you know, with that, that more lean, crisp, snappy German style versus the, you know, fuller, softer, uh, Czech style. And we get that at our brewery a lot. People are like, Oh, I, I I'm not a big Pilsner fan. Cause you know, often I get asked, what, what do you like right now? And it's like, Oh, I like the, you know, the Pilsner. Um, and we get it every once in a while. People are like, Oh, I don't like Pilsner. And it's like, well, what, what, what kind of Pilsner don't you like? And frankly, more often than not, it's premium American pills is what they don't like. Right. But, um, but there, there is so much difference between those styles. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. They're, they're, they're like night and day different. Uh, uh, so what's, what's, what's next for working draft? What do you, what do you guys have planned for 2022? Are you setting your sights on any big projects or just kind of humming along, getting out of the pandemic? What, what's next for you guys? Well, we added a couple of tanks last year because they, we were kind of in the throes of canning and, you know, it was never our intention to uh, can any of our beer. But then COVID happened and we had to adjust. And so that's become a pretty big part of our business model is putting stuff in the 16 ounce can format. 
And so we added a couple of tanks to accommodate that. Um, and, but now we're just kind of hoping that like the, the tap room flow comes back in and we can strike a good balance between wholesale sales and tap room sales. And then from there, it's like, I don't know, man, it's, it's so hard to plan what's going to happen. I've got, I got dreams for sure, but, um, you know, ideally like long-term I'd love for us to get access to the, the whole building that we're in because we're in only half of it and kind of expand that into more production space and, and really maxed out the space that we're in and then hopefully build a, a at some point, a second facility um that's geared more towards lager brewing you know we do we do a good amount of lager but our, our brewery is not really built for it we have a two barrel or seven barrel two vessel system that uh it's it's we do a lot of step mashing and all that's mixing by hand and adding hot water and it's a lot of work, it's, a lot of work. it fucking sucks <laughs> yeah you know we we put ourselves through those rigors because we believe in the process and try to brew things as traditionally as we possibly can given the equipment we have, but, you know, if we had a different brew system, we could get a lot more traditional with it. And that, that prospect is super exciting to me. Um, but, you know, that's probably like pretty long-term down the road, but for now it's just, yeah, man, trying to like get back to hopefully pre COVID plus um, kind of the new side of the business that we've discovered because of COVID and the silver lining of it, which is just, wholesale and putting stuff in 16 ounce cans and getting stuff out in the market more for people. So if they can't make it to the tap room, they can take it home with them and not have to stop by. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Hey man, I'm, I'm excited. You guys are in Madison. I've still got plenty of family back in that area and I'm there a handful of time, a handful of times a year and love coming by. I love seeing your beer out and, uh, everything you guys make is excellent. And, uh, yeah, anyone who's visiting Wisconsin soon should definitely get working draft on their list of spots to hit. Um, on that note, where where do people learn more about the brewery? Where can they find working draft? Do you guys have social media and stuff? Yeah, so we got a website. We got www.workingdraftbeer.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter to a lesser degree. But uh, I don't think we're on TikTok yet. But I was just thinking that we should probably get on TikTok. <laughs> Do you have a personal TikTok we could all follow you on? Oh, you know, I I do, but I don't use it. I don't use it. I only have you have it. one though, huh? I have one so that my wife can send me videos because right she knows on, brother. Me. Um, but I'm on I'm I'm more active on Instagram. I, you know, I've actually been trying to like get off social media apps, so I got timers set on my phone. I got like a half hour collectively throughout the day that I can be on social media. So it's there just such a <laughs> it's a time suck. It can be for sure. Excellent. Well, Clint, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you coming on the show and chat with me for a little bit here. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. Wish you guys all the, the best over there at work and draft. And if I can, if I can swing it this week while I'm back in town, I will definitely try to rip through there and have a couple pints with you. Yeah, man. Sounds good. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening to Zach Talks Beer. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's kind of how we keep things rolling along over here. Uh, we don't necessarily have a social media presence for the show, but you can visit ZachTalksBeer.com to contact me, uh, check out new episodes and all that. I try to get a new one up every other week or so, uh, or as much as my life at the brewery allows for. 
And on that note, uh, feel free to visit sellerwest.com or sellerwest artisan ales on Instagram or Facebook to learn a little more about my small brewery in Colorado. I hope everyone has a great next few days and we will circle back soon enough. Cheers. Cheers.